Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Monday, April 4th, 2022. Can you believe you are like you're like that close to Good Friday and Easter Sunday? I mean, it's like right around the corner. Are you ready? I mean, maybe now might be a great time to start those Lenten penance practices you were talking about four weeks ago. Uh, now is a great time. No time like the, the present to get started on your Lenten journey because uh, it's going to be over before you know it. We are going to have a great show today. Adam Bly is going to be on. He is an internationally recognized expert on demonology. He is a lay person. He assists in uh, exorcisms. He helps to train priests. He helps to screen people who are being presented for uh, exorcisms. And uh, we're going to be talking to him about a brand new book that he had come out last year from Sophie Institute Press on uh, the Catholic Guide to Miracles, Separating Authentic from Counterfeit Miracles. Adam Bly joins us at 35 past this hour. Lots to discuss in the news, though. Of course, there was a horrible mass shooting in the early hours of Sunday in Sacramento, California. Not even sure what the details are there yet. Uh, hopefully we'll get more on that today. Uh, the NIH admits it, it suppressed Wuhan lab genetic data. Why did it suppress this? Who knows? But that's the business the NIH seems to be in these days. Catholic Carlisle University has a, has a speaker that called for uh, every Christian to crucify their whiteness. We'll be talking about that at 15 past the hour. And the Bo- the Biden SCOTUS pick, uh, you know, the one going up for the Supreme Court, uh, Judge Kentanji J- uh, Brown-Jackson. Well, apparently it's been revealed that she gave even light sentences to uh, to predators in child porn cases involving torture of toddlers. Let that sink in for a moment. Light sentences she gave out. All of that coming up and a lot more in this hour. Good morning to you, uh, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Praise be to God. Yeah. I'm alive, and that counts. How are you? I'm good. It was a fantastic weekend. Went to go check out the wildflowers nearby and uh, yes. tested out a brand new lens that I got in. And, uh, Is that the was, Zeiss you got ooh, in? Oh, yeah. It was a Zeiss. Zeiss. So sharp. It hurt yeah. my eyes. <laughs> you inspired but, uh, me to pull out my old picture-taking camera. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I went for a walk yesterday, and I took some wildflower pictures myself. That's great. It was fun. Yeah, I brought it in today. We're going to be filming some stuff for uh, for CDT, so you'll get to see that sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah. Speaking of wildfires, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. If you were a flower, you would be wild. I'm just saying. Thanks, question mark. Okay. Uh, but anyway, it was a really great weekend. It was wonderful to go to First Friday, First Saturday, and then uh, Passion Sunday was beautiful. We covered up all the images in the church, the crucifixes. And fun fact, and during mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. on Passion Sunday, they start omitting the Gloria Patria mm. uh, from the office and from the introit in the lavabo during the Mass. That threw me off. Yes. 
I caught that and it threw me off too. I'm like, like wait, I almost what? spoke up. Hey, excuse me. Hey, up there, you. Hey, father, you missed something. What's oh, good grief? They don't. Where do they get these people these days? Sorry, I don't want to be that guy, but I think you missed. <laughs> right. I think you missed that part. My wife's like awkward. <laughs> Who brought the cool kid? My wife would be walking out at that point. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so much to pray for. I want to thank Diane Weinmer and Ellen, Aline, Eileen, forgive me, Eileen Flores, Diane and Eileen, thank you for your generous gift of giving up your day, pray, fasting, and doing penance for our Lenten campaign um, intentions. But can I also ask all of you to pray and intercede for uh, my good friend Mike's, Mike Romano's wife. His wife, Mike played Are They on April Fool's, which was a lot of fun, by the way. He did a great job. But his wife is dealing with cancer, and we would be very grateful if you would pray and intercede for Mike and his family, especially his wife, for, you know, if it be God's holy will that she be healed, that she receive that healing. Also, please pray and intercede for, uh, you know, for some great CDT listeners who— Jane and Kenny, they, they sent me an email over the weekend. They're struggling quite a bit right now in their life. There's a lot going on, and it's just, it's just a heavy time for them. Would you also keep them in your prayers? I would be super grateful. Please please do pray for all the intentions of our listeners, and, uh, and your intentions are always in our hearts as well. We are praying for you. But let's jump in, let's pray, and let's get our, our hour started. So much to dive into today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, April 4th, and these are your headlines. Washington Examiner reports California diversity law ruled unconstitutional. The law required corporations to add people of color or a member of the so-called LGBT community to their board of directors. The judge determined a measure violated California's constitutional equal protection clause, according to Judicial Watch, a legal group that filed a permanent injunction against the law. And Breitbart News reports UK doctors to be paid for putting people on transgender sex change hormones. The trial scheme, which was launched on Friday, will see general practitioners in Sussex receive £178 per year in taxpayer cash for every person they sign up to take cross-sex hormone therapy and an additional £91 a year for annual health checks for so-called transgender, non-binary, and intersex patients. Reuters reports, New York warehouse workers vote to form first U.S. union at Amazon. Employees at the online retailer's fulfillment center in the borough of Staten Island secured a majority by voting 55% in favor, according to a count by the National Labor Relations Board. And the Daily Caller re reports, federal judge denies Jelaine Maxwell's new trial request. Federal Circuit Judge Allison Nathan denied her request for a new trial on Friday after determining a juror testified credibly and truthfully. Maxwell's defense requested a new trial back in January after a juror confessed to being unsure if he disclosed his own experience of sex abuse as a child during a jury selection process. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Isidore of Seville. He was, he was born around the year 560. The 76 years of Isidore's life were a time of conflict and growth for the church in Spain. 
The Visigoths had invaded the land a century and a half earlier and shortly before Isidore's birth. They set up their own capital. They were Aryan Christians who said Christ was not God. Thus, Spain was split in two. One people, the Roman Catholics, struggled against the other, the Aryan Goths. Isidore reunited Spain, making it a center of culture and learning. The country served as a teacher and guide for other European countries, whose cultures were also threatened by barbarian invaders. Born in Cartagena, of a family that included three other siblings, Saints Lander, Flugentius, and Florentina. He was educated by his elder brother, whom he succeeded as Bishop of Seville. An amazingly learned man, he was sometimes called the schoolmaster of the Middle Ages because the encyclopedia he wrote was used as a textbook for nine centuries. He required seminaries to be built in every diocese and wrote a rule for religious orders and he founded schools that taught every branch of learning. Isidore wrote numerous books, including a dictionary, an encyclopedia, a history of the Goths, and a history of the world from the beginning with creation. He completed the Mozarabic liturgy, which is still in use in Toledo, Spain. For all these reasons, Isidore has been suggested as patron of the internet. Interesting. Several others, including Anthony Padua, also have been suggested, as a side note. He continued his austerities even as he approached the age of 80. During the last six months of his life, he increased his charities so much that his house was crowded from morning till night with the poor of the countryside. He died around the year 636. St. Isidore of Seville, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 8 verses 12 through 20. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You testify on your own behalf, so your testimony cannot be verified. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony can be verified, because I know where I come from and where I am going. But you... Do not know where I come from, nor where I am going. You judge by appearances, but I do not judge anyone. And even if I should judge, my judgment is valid, because I am not alone. But it is I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it is written that the testimony of two men can be verified. I testify on my behalf, and so does the Father who sent me. So they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the treasury in the temple area, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The applicant would say, Here might the Arians... And all who maintain that Christ is a mere creature blush. For if he were a creature, how can anyone know, anyone who knows him likewise know God? Therefore is Christ consubstantial with the Father, for he knows the Son, knows the Father also, close quote the applicant. Yes, yea and amen. And I'm sure, my dear listener, you do know someone in your life who, who doesn't think Jesus is, in fact, God. 
co-equal with the Father and the Holy Ghost, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. I'm sure you know someone, maybe a Jehovah's Witness perhaps in your life. I know that they deny the divinity of Christ. Mormons, I'm, yes, there's the list can go on and on. You might be surprised who in your life might deny the actual divinity of Christ, and that's why the early church fathers are a great resource to go to when defending the faith against such heresy. St. Augustine would say, Christ does not here say that he is the Father and he is the Son. He only says that he is not alone, but that the Father is with him, plainly distinguishing the two persons. The Father is truly the Father, and the Son truly the Son, not one elder or greater than the other, but both entirely equal in all perfections, one in substance, co-eternal, and of one perfect equality, close quote, St. Augustine. You know, I loved also this, uh, the typology, sort of the symbolism used by our Lord to teach this great lesson. You might recall in Matthew 16, he used the backdrop of the great rock there and the temple built on the side of the rock and the gate to the netherworld there to teach about the kingdom of God and give the keys of the kingdom to St. Peter himself. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. He did it in the place where these things have greater meaning. Well, he did it here as well. The light of the world referenced in this passage, Saint, uh, the Ignatius Catholic commentary points out, Christ enlightens the world with truth as the golden candelabras illuminated the temple courts with fire during the Feast of Tabernacles. The location of Jesus as he delivers these words supports this symbolism. He is standing in the treasury adjacent to the court of women, precisely where the lamp lighting ceremony was recently conducted. We discussed this last week in one of the passages here in John's Gospel, that when our Lord went up to the Feast of Booths and the, the ceremonies that would take place that our Lord would leverage to teach a greater truth. And here we see this being employed here right now. The testimony of two or three is also incredibly fascinating. We've seen this reference in Matthew 18 is another great example of this. When our Lord says, if there is an issue between you and your brother, go to him, try to work it out. And if you can't, take two or three witnesses. And if he still won't listen to that, then take it to the church who will have to judge and even excommunicate if necessary, the power of the church. Well, here in this gospel, in John 8, we see Alcuin commenting on it, saying, quote, Or it is as if he said, If your law admits the testimony of two men who may be deceived and testify to more than is true, on what grounds can you reject mine and my father's testimony, the highest and most sure of all? Close quote, Alcuin. That's right. Two or three witnesses. You got Jesus, you got the Father, and let's not forget the Holy Ghost. All testifying to who Christ truly is. Do you know who Christ truly is? Let's meditate upon that today. And listen, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have some What's Concerning Us stories right here on Catholic Drive Time. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. We'll be right back. Seventh-day Adventists use Ecclesiastes 9.10 to argue that souls in heaven aren't cognitively aware of our prayers because the inspired author says that souls don't have any knowledge in the afterlife. But this objection fails because the inspired author was operating with a limited and vague view of the afterlife with 
without New Testament revelation. When we come to the New Testament, it's a whole new ballgame. Consider Revelation 5.8, where 24 presbyters, human souls, surround Jesus and offer him the prayers of Christians on earth in the form of incense. How could they do this if they weren't cognitively aware of all those prayers? So just because an Old Testament passage speaks of the afterlife in a way that's not compatible with the intercession of the saints, it doesn't follow that the Catholic doctrine is proven unbiblical. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at catholicscomehome.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Adam Bly is going to be our guest. I haven't talked to Adam Bly in probably going on two years now. It's been a long time. He is a, uh, an expert in demonology. He's helped as a layperson to train exorcists in their ministry. He has assisted priests uh, in exorcisms. He's helped to uh, you know, screen candidates for exorcism. But he's also written some books, and he's got a new book out. It came out last year by Sophia Stu Press called The Catholic Guide to Miracles. We're going to talk to him about that coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that if you can. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Here's one. Uh, the headline out of the Daily Wire says, Catholic University speaker urges attendees to crucify whiteness and ethically lie to write history's wrongs. Now, what is, why, why are we fanning the flame of racial tension in this country? Why do we want to leverage the, the diversity of human peoples to create animosity and um, discord and chaos in our streets? It seems like it's the trend of our time. And for whatever reason, there is a nefarious, uh, uh, agenda behind it. Here's a little bit of this article. It says, a Catholic university recently hosted an event titled Rejecting White Christianity, featuring speaker who told attendees that white people needed to crucify their whiteness and urged others to ethically lie to make amends for past wrongs. The College Fix reported that Carlisle University invited Dr. Miguel de la Torre, a professor of social ethics and Latinx studies, or is it Latinx? I don't even know. Latinx. Is it, is it Latinx? I yep. just thought it was Latinx. Nope, it's Latinx. We're, <laughs> we're going to have to do a poll. Is it Latinx? Is it Latinx studies? I'm not sure which. But either way, uh, Latinx Latinx studies at the Liv School of Theology in Denver, Colorado, who spoke on March 3rd, according to The Fix, which rev- 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 reviewed video of De La Torre's speech, the professor, quote, began his presentation by lambasting evangelicals who voted for Donald Trump, close quote. 
going on to say, quote, when eight out of 10 white evangelicals voted for a person who is completely against everything Christianity stands for, I don't know what Christianity they are practicing, close quote, De La Torre said, quote, going on to say, quote, but I want nothing to do with, with that Christianity, close quote. De La Torre then spoke of differences between, quote, white theology and ethics, close quote, and quote, Latinx ethics, close quote, reportedly noting that white doesn't refer to skin color, but to an ontological concept, the fix reported. Quote, those of us who are colored, some of us can also be white, but the good news is there is salvation, close quote, De La Torre said. Uh, later in his speech, he reportedly said salvation means, quote, quote, we who are colored have to crucify our colonized minds, and for our white brothers and sisters, they need to crucify their whiteness, close quote. De La Torre also rejected hope, saying it was a white concept, the fix reported. Clo uh, going on to say, quote, we embrace Eurocentric concepts like hope because it helps to pacify the oppressed during their oppression, close quote, he said. Going on to say, quote, it leads to spiritual liberation and ignores physical liberation, close quote. I can go on to read this, but I think you get the point by now. And it's very troubling on many levels. Um, number one, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, was not Caucasian. Okay, for starters, there's that. So the Christianity, which spread across the world, wasn't an European-centric religion. Okay, so I'm not sure why we have these notions. Just because Spain or Portugal or England or any of the other countries in the European continent spread Christianity abroad, it wasn't because of a Caucasianness or a whiteness involved. I mean, it seems rather peculiar to me that grown, very well-educated adults can't seem to work this very simple, very basic fact out in their minds. We, right now, we have a beautiful image of Our Lady hanging on our wall, Our Lady of Levang. It is a beautiful image of Our Lady appearing to be of uh, Vietnamese um, background. I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. I've seen these similar images from all over the planet, uh, our Lord and our Lady being depicted in this way. It's a very beautiful thing because every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. And we go back to the same two parents. Don't believe me? Look up the genetic research that has been done in places like Penn State or UC Berkeley that has proven through ge uh, genetic testing and DNA research that every human being goes back to the same two parents. So we're all a part of the one family of God, no matter the, the skin tone we have, or the hair qualities or facial features or anything else, we all without exception, go back to the same two parents. God in his infinite uh, wisdom and kindness has made the human person very diverse. I think it's fascinating, let alone the issues of sacred scripture, the Tower of Babylon, our own sin nature, forcing us apart from each other, right? But if you just look at the, the diversity, there are creatures right now in the depths of the ocean that we don't even know exist, but God made them anyway even if you don't ever pay attention to them. I was thinking about this yesterday after Mass, looking at a tree just sway in the wind, and I thought how beautiful it is to see this thing before me of a tree swaying in the wind and how few people would stop and pay attention to it, and yet God does it anyway. God is like that. He's amazing, right? And yet we see out of uh, concupiscent nature this need 
to take Christianity and turn it into something that mirrors our politics. Does Donald Trump represent Christianity? No, of course not. There are many things about Donald Trump's life that probably do not adhere to Christianity. But is the opposite more true? (laughs) Not even close. Do you see? We sit here and we want to adhere more to our political party than we do to truth itself. And we should be reminded that it is if if supporting a man and woman in the sacrament of holy matrimony and raising their kids is a more conservative issue than it is a liberal, a liberal one. Well, that's not our fault. I mean, we didn't create those rules. It is what it is. We support marriage because it is divinely instituted by God himself. Same thing with the right to life or to tr- any of the truths and the dogmas of our faith. We must defend them, even if it means that our own political party, our friends, our family disagree. It doesn't matter because truth is a person. It is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he can appear as Our Lady has. Our, behind me, I have this beautiful image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, an actual uh, a photograph image of the tilma itself. And she appeared, and some would say miraculously, as you became either closer or further away as an, a young Indian— or as a Spaniard woman. It just depended on your, on your distance to the tilma. It's a miracle that this image has given us a testimony of how heaven itself cared so much about these pagan Indian tribes, a continent and an ocean away, that she would come to convert them in mass. As millions of Caucasians were leaving the faith in heresy and apostasy in Europe, She came to convert millions of Aztecs and other Indians who were giving themselves over to demon worship and human sacrifice. That is how much God loves and cares for every human soul, irregardless of the color of their skin, the language they speak, or even the sins that they have committed. This is the truth of the human person. But we have these stories out of the news that are fanning the flame of not only apostasy or heresy, but also of racial tensions in our, in our culture. We must see the human person across from us as made in the image and likeness of God, not as someone who is against us, has hurt us, or any other qualifying factor. We must see them as Our Lady would see them as Christ himself. There's another story similarly related. This is a follow-up to something we covered in the past on this show sometime last year. Uh, This is also out of the Daily Wire. It says, Appeals Court upholds multi-million dollar verdict against uh, Oberlin College for defaming Gibson's Bakery. Uh, Let me read a little of this to you. It says, Appellate Court on Thursday upheld the decision that resulted in a massive award for Gibson's Bakery after Oberlin College supported and encouraged students who falsely accused the bakery of racism. Oberlin appealed the verdict against them, which awarded the family of Gibson's Bakery $25 million in compensatory, or I'm not even, no coffee until Easter, so it's, it's been a struggle, compensatory and punitive damages, a number that was reduced from $33 million in punitive damages due to Ohio tort reform law, and more than $6 million in attorney's fees. On Thursday, the Ohio's 9th District Court of Appeals upheld the lower court's finding, meaning Oberlin will indeed have to pay the Gibsons millions of dollars. What happened in this case? Well, this is a bakery across from the university, as we just stated. Well, some students from that university came over, and they were trying to steal stuff. They got chased out of the store. And when the employee chased them out of the store, the employee got attacked by these students. 
And so the employee called 911 and they were arrested. And guess what? They admitted they admitted that, in fact, uh, they were guilty of what they had done. But that was not good enough. That was not good enough for some people at the university. The article goes on to say, but other students and faculty accused the bakery of racism and staged protest outside with Oberlin officials fully endorsing and supporting the protesters false narrative. Further, while Oberlin claimed in court the protests were peaceful, some demonstrators actually entered the bakery and harassed customers, taking pictures of them and making disparaging comments to them. They also blocked customers from moving down the aisles and slashed the tires of store employees. Behind the scenes, Oberlin administrators trashed the bakery and anyone who defended them, calling defenders idiots and expletives, and other horrible things, right? The Gibson's home was broken into months after the protest, though it is unclear whether it is related, with the elderly patriarch breaking bones in his neck. Businesses dropped and and employees were laid off and the family was threatened. All of this because people want to uh, reinvent truth and the reality around them. That doesn't help us, right? We must embrace truth itself. In society, because if we don't, we're going to have more of these problems. It does not help us to fan the flame of lies and misconceptions. And we see this on a great level. And I think this story in particular demonstrates how we can be manipulated by media and by falsehoods, by fake news even, to make decisions that are completely irrational. And yet we're doing it all the time now. So we should take a moment a breath, a stop. And just as we read these news, as we hear these things, we should ask ourselves, do we know all the facts? Do we understand the equation here? Both sides of it. I'm thinking of Thomas Aquinas and his Summa Theologica, who strove to give the best arguments for the detractors of the faith, to represent their point of view as clearly and concisely as possible before he dismantled them, before he proved them wrong, before he responded to their objections. But we don't do that anymore. We don't do that at all. Most of us will never do that. We simply hear things and we just go off and run and bad things happen. Let's pray for peace in the world. Let's pray for dignity for the human person made in God's image and likeness. Let's pray for that truth and understanding to reside in our hearts, in our minds, and in our intentions and actions towards others. We'll be right back. Breaking news and Adam Bly is coming up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time is the fanatical hatred of morality, especially of Christian morality. It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague, vague to the point 
where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God and God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Axios reports American teens' health behaviors suffered a lot during pandemic. From increased drug and alcohol use to high levels of reported abuse and feelings of mental distress, the pandemic wreaked major havoc on the health of American teenagers, according to a CDC report, which they kind of had a hand in causing. For instance, more than 40% of teens said they persistently felt sad or hopeless during the past year, the survey found. DW reports German man got COVID jab 87 times. The man reportedly went to Eastern German jab centers and got vaccinated up to three times a day. Authorities believe it was all part of a scheme to sell vaccination passes to people who didn't want to be forced into getting it. A staff member at a vac center in Dresden grew suspicious when he recognized the man. The staff called the police and he was detained. AP reports new vehicles must average 40 miles per gallon by 2026, up from 28 mpg. New vehicles sold in the U.S. will have to average at least 40 miles per gallon in 2026, up from about 28 mpg under a new federal rule unveiled on Friday. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said its new fuel economy requirements are the strongest to date and the maximum the industry can achieve over the time period. And Breitbart reports, Investors snapping up single-family homes in U.S. suburbs. Owners fight back. Investors owned at least one in seven homes sold in the top U.S. metropolitan areas in 2021. That's the highest in 20 years, according to an analysis of statistics from Redfin, a real estate website. To discourage investors, some HOAs have implemented new rules to keep homes that are being rented capped, including the requirement that homeowners must not rent their home for one to two years. Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. That is such a major problem. We should book a guest on that subject. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is crushing the market right now. Yeah. New it's hurting home, me. First time home hometown <laughs> buyers or first time <laughs> buyers, they just, they're just, they can't get a break right now. Yeah, that'd be very informative for oh, sure. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, before we jump into our conversation, let me say really quickly Josh Knoll, CDT Insider. His son's fourth birthday is today, so hey, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, praise be to God. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Adam Bly. He is uh, uh, an expert in demonology. He is trained exorcist. He has assisted in exorcism. He's also an author and an international speaker on this subject. Uh, his latest book from Sophia Institute Press is called The Catholic Guide to Miracles, Separating the Authentic from the Counterfeit. Good morning to you, Adam Bly. Good morning, Joe. It's nice to be here. Praise be to God. We're glad you are here. It's been a long time since I've talked to you, maybe almost two years now. How have you been? um, Excellent. Just super busy. Um, Just a really quick correction, Joe, in your introduction. So I'm a lay person, and so I'm not actually an exorcist. I've been involved in this for about 15 years, and I'm a church-appointed expert in the area, and I train exorcists, but I'm basically a coach. Praise be to God. Uh, I like the beard, by the way. It looks good on you. you. It looks really good on you. You were clean shaven the last time I saw you, so you're looking good. Love it. Praise be to God. (laughs) This book is very interesting uh, by uh, Sophia Institute Press, The Catholic Guide to Miracles Separating the Authentic from the Counterfeit. What, why did you, like, it seems like uh, on the surface, it would seem like this isn't 
sort of in your wheelhouse. You were you're an expert in demonology. So what motivated you to do a book on miracles? Well, essentially, um, I think there can be kind of two ways that you're drawn to God. And the one side is when you stumble into the things that the culture now celebrates and normalizes and you get into trouble and then you realize like, oh, wait, there's there's actual consequences for playing around with the spiritual world in a bad way. And I thought it was really important to also show the other side of that coin and that we can be drawn to God through grace, through miracles, um, you know, through a lot of the positive. And it's kind of a misunderstanding that when you deal with exorcisms and demonology that you're only dealing with the negative because seven of the major gospel accounts of miracles that Jesus did were exorcisms. It was actually a, a point of great joy for the people to see somebody freed. And the fact that Jesus did it by direct command was kind of the first thing that lit the fire of his fame at the synagogue in Capernaum, when instead of invoking God, he just said, get out. And they said, who is this that can do something only God can do? So, you know, it is in fact a miraculous ministry. You get to see miracles happen, a repetition of some of the gospel stories. I like that you said that because it is a miraculous thing to see, and it's good news to to see somebody get delivered from, from this oppression. Um, I'm yeah. wondering, Mr. Bly, you know, we look at the scriptures, we look at the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see all these these incredible miracles that take place, and we try to juxtapose that with our modern times, and we say, well, miracles don't happen today. Do you find that as true, or do you, did you find a reason as to why that, that is? Well, they do still happen today. It's just that our ability to kind of rationalize and explain away or ignore uh, if anything has grown. So the sun hasn't danced in the sky since Fatima. That's mm. true. That was a very unusual miracle in all of history. Uh, but there are still documented healings uh, that are miraculous that meet the church's requirement that happen for the canonization of every saint that you hear about being canonized. Mm -hmm. And that has always been the case. The church has a, a high bar for declaring somebody a saint, and they have to see a miraculous event, and that is a instantaneous, complete, and lasting healing uh, through the intercession of that saint where doctors have no explanation. So that's just one of the many examples, but you know, we can we can look at the visionaries of various types and, and prophecies uh, that were given, which are more warnings about making a good choice in the world. Uh, Eucharistic miracles, you know, continue. So they do still happen. It's just that these signs, and as Jesus said, you know, better to believe without signs, but it's okay to provide signs, and he did in the Gospels, uh, and he is still providing them. In your introduction to the book, you start off by trying to make a—you a, start off by making a link—I want to say it that way—by making a link between miracles and the fear of death. Uh, talk about that for a minute. Well, I think— one of the things that drives us as human beings towards exploring the spiritual and kind of looking for a solution in the spiritual is mortality. You know, at some point we become aware, usually as children, in, in a vague way that we're mortal. And it, you know, Freud would say, uh, the, the famous psychologist, 
that the fear of death is one of the primary drives in a human being. You know, the drive to survive is to avoid death, and it's certainly a biological drive. But how do you solve that problem of mortality? And one of the ways is you, you look for God and you say, well, maybe there's something beyond my death, which I can't really imagine or accept. Maybe there's something beyond that. And so one of the ways that you look for a proof that gives you a place to stand on if you approach it, you know, just as a, a new person exposed to these ideas is, well, maybe there's some proof that God is there. And so sometimes we use the stories from the Gospels and things that Jesus did. And we say, okay, enough people saw these events that I'll trust them. And I'll take that as, you know, as if I had seen that sign that God is really there. And sometimes we look for little miracles in our own lives as proof of that. Um, and so essentially, I think it's one of the things that drives us uh, to find that solution. It's only a beginning state, you know. Um, God wants so much more conversion and so much more growth beyond that. It's not as simple as, okay, well, I found the solution. You know, there is an afterlife. Now I'll just relax and, and live out the rest of my days. God wants more than that. You know, ultimately we make choices and do things for the love of God, not so much for the selfish need to solve the problem of death, but it's a, I think it's a place that most modern people start. You know, in a, I think a common element, I, I think I've, even heard you talk about this in the past, and you might have addressed it in the book, that a uh, common element, common denominator of people who have had uh, near-death experiences is they now feel like they have a purpose and a sense of purpose in their life. They don't, they don't just go back to eating Cheetos, sitting on the couch, playing video games. Yes, yes. And it's the same way with people that are delivered, you know, through exorcism work. So whether you encounter the good side or the bad side, it transforms your life. It ceases to be an armchair mental exercise of, well, what if this were true? Um, it's another thing to encounter it in the flesh, so to speak, you know, irrefutably, at least from your own perspective, you, you talk to near-death experiencers and to them, there is no armchair analyzing it and, and tearing it down because it's as simple as, well, I saw it. You know, if somebody goes outside and they see the moon in the sky and they say, well, I saw this, you know, pale white globe in the sky, never knew it was there. I'm telling you, it's there. You can't just convince me I didn't see it, you know, when it becomes a personal experience. So yeah, these, these are very powerful and transformative and changes your perspective for the rest of your life. Why do so few people believe in miracles at all? Well, I think, I suspect that the whole spiritual idea, particularly from a Christian perspective, it's difficult for people because, yes, it solves the problem of death and the fear of mortality, but it brings with it an accountability. And we don't like to be accountable. We don't want to hear that there's an objective standard by which we have to live. We want the new age idea of, I judge myself to be a good person, Therefore, I'm good to go. I don't want to hear about your rules or, you know, the way you or God sees me. Uh, I'm going to judge myself. And that's, you know, the very kind of hedonistic, selfish approach to life that's very attractive. Mm. And the New Age promises essentially, you know, just tell yourself you're a good person and you're good to go. Of course, that's very attractive, especially if you wrap into that. Uh, you can have magical powers and whatnot. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that in just one second. Adam Bly is our guest. 
He has a book out from Sophia Institute Press called Catholic Guide to Miracles. We're going to talk about that and much more coming up right after this very short break. We'll be right back. There's a lot of depth and interesting details in the story of the woman at the well. Jesus asks a Samaritan woman for a drink, while his disciples are off to buy food. And this request leads to a fascinating conversation. Jesus reveals to her that he has living water that will cause those who drink it to never thirst again. He also reveals that he knows the details of her personal relationships with several husbands, and even tells her, a non-Jew, that he is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. We are told that the woman leaves her water jar at the well and goes off to tell the people in town about him. It's as if she completely abandons her important mission for water. She abandons bodily comforts for more important things. And this echoes the apostles who left behind their fishing nets to go follow Jesus. What are we willing to abandon and leave behind to follow the Lord this Lent? This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Adam Bly is our guest. Uh, he's got a book out called Catholic Guide to Miracles. And it's a, a fascinating read. Separating the Authentic from Counterfeit. Um, published by Sophia Institute Press, which you can find them linked up on their website, sophiainstitute.com. Search for Adam Bly there and you will find it. It's B-L-A-I. Good morning to you again, Mr. Bly. Oh, good morning, Joe. And right before we went to the break, you were getting into something I think is so fascinating. And I find this all the time, that how many Catholics, Christians, will, they'll go to Santa Muerte, they'll go to palm readers, they'll go to tarot cards, they'll go to crystals, they'll go to all this stuff. It's like, why do they feel the need to have to go searching outside elsewhere? We have, we have so many incredible—the the, the daily miracle of the Holy Eucharist as never enough for so many of us. Why is that? Well, I think that's the case because we, in our human nature, prefer to have God kind of in a package that we decide when we get it, we decide how we get it, it's on our terms. And that's essentially what the syncretism you're talking about kind of promises through superstition and magic. uh, They promise that do these particular rituals, you know, bring these idols into your life, whether it, whether it's other spirits, whether it's the crystals, whatever it is, it's idolatry, and put your trust in those, because those you control, you activate when you wish, and you are now the center of your religious life. Uh, it's essentially my will be done. You know, I have my talisman, I decide when to deploy it, and I will get the effect that I decree uh, through doing whatever it is. And that's why the syncretism and, and a lot of these things are so attractive, because it gives the illusion of agency to the person. But the big problem, Joe, is if you think about it, it's a violation of the first commandment. 
So instead of putting God first and trusting God, you're putting your trust in these objects, these rituals, uh, and these other spirits, and you're essentially telling God, I don't trust you. I'm not going to wait on you. I want my comfort when I decide on my terms in the way I want it. So you're breaking your friendship with God and you're starting your friendship with another spirit, you know, and whether it's because I want to know the future, which is, you know, a form of power, which only God, the father knows the future. We know that, but there can be sham versions of that, whether it's, you know, I want influence over other people uh, and whether it's, I want comfort that there's an afterlife instead of trusting God's providence and his revelation and his grace of conversion through your life journey, you want it quick on these other terms. And that's where the demon steps in and provides a sham spiritual experience that involves mortal sin. You've broken the first commandment. You know, while you're saying that, immediately I was brought to mind uh, two things, or I guess three things. One being the general idea of sacramentals, and two, the two most common sacramentals. One, you know, the brown scapular, and uh, with such great promises attached to it. And then I've heard recently of a friend of mine asking about like, St. Benedict medals. Like, okay, what's up with that? It seems almost like it's a talisman. So how, what is the difference between a sacramental and these talismans? And is it, is it simply that one is, uh, is okayed by the church, the other is not? No. So sacramentals, remember, you know, if we, if we look at our catechism, they're only designed to prepare us for the sacraments. They point to the sacramental graces. Now, the other thing about sacramentals their effect is based on your faith and relationship in God, with God, your faith in God and your relationship with God. So, for instance, if somebody uses holy water with no faith in God um, and no relationship with God, it presumably will have no effect. Perhaps in his mercy, God will provide some effect, but there'll be nothing there. Let me give you a quick example. During full-blown solemn exorcisms, uh, I have literally seen people that have prayed without any heart or intent. So meaning they've just parroted the words right to the, you know, the possessed person's face, to the demon's face, but without any, any heart, any, any love. And literally the demon will say the words back to the person and say the prayer with them in a mocking way. Because the prayer said without any heart, it's not a magic incantation. And these sacramentals are not magical items that have power separate from God. The St. Benedict medal, yes, has an effect. Yes, the demons notice it, even if it's not on display, they'll, they'll know it's in your pocket. But that's not because the item is an idol, that the item is affecting them. It's that it is used in faith and relationship with God. And it's just another way, they're essentially symbols of the living relationship with God that the person has, and their effects are come from God. So it's a very different theology than the magician's approach to these things. How do we avoid the scrupulosity in that regard? I can imagine there would be a lot of folks that would listen to that and, and be now very anxious. Am, am I praying with enough feeling? Am I praying with enough love, love or, or what have you? How do we find that balance? Well, remember life, and you know, some of this I, I think is, is over my pay grade and sense of, you know, do I have a right to really be saying these things? We could just go to Thomas for so many of our answers. But I think the journey of conversion throughout life, God works with us where we're at. 
And so, yes, a child learning the Our Father is maybe not going to say it with the, uh, the depth of understanding and, and heart and intent that perhaps the person that just lost their spouse, you know, and, and has been a Catholic for 30 years would have, or, or a, a monastic or a nun. Um, however, doing it as best you can for where you're at in your journey in life, I think, is all that we need to do. You know, we're not all praying like Therese. We're not all there. We're not all praying like Padre Pio, and that's okay. You don't have to be perfect, you know, and, and the best saint that has ever lived for God to hear you and respond to you. Um, I think it's more the effort and the sincerity of that effort, you know, please, Lord, hear my prayer from where I'm at now in my journey as best I understand you and love you. Um, whatever is lacking in me and my prayer you know, please make up for me, Jesus. And, and he does make up that gap. And that's essentially the big message, I think, of Jesus. Mr. Bly, you have a book coming out. I believe it's called The um, the Exorcism Files, The True Stories of Demonic Possession. I want to go back to something you, you mentioned just a few minutes ago uh, when it comes to possession. I think it's a common experience, at least I've run into this a couple of times, that uh, there's a type of generational curse that, that happens when people... You know, for example, a family member is a Freemason or something like that. In your experience in in this this field, how common is that, and is that something that people should worry about uh, if their their family was into the occult? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a yes and no answer to that. Yes, we do see cases where when the demon is interrogated in a solemn exorcism by the exorcist, they will say you know, my right to be here is through Freemasonry, you know, their great grandfather cut a deal with us and they asked for this and this in exchange for being able to be with this family. However, um, we need not become terrified by this idea. And I think it's somewhat of an error to give too much weight to that. So yes, that person had authority over themselves and a limited authority over their family line after them, like parents have authority over babies, uh, their babies. Uh, however, you are now the person that's alive and in an authority over yourself. And so it's not like you become a complete victim that's helpless against the choices of your ancestors. No, you're the one in charge now. And what I've seen in many years of experience with this type of thing is you simply ask the person, would you like to renounce anything that your ancestors did that committed you or your family to these creatures in any way, including Freemasonry? And they say, well, of course. And we then switch back to the demon and say, okay, now, now what right do you have to be here? Well, none, that was it. And then we move on to the exorcism. So, you know, and the other thing to remember is that's kind of an endless spiral you're never going to know everything that every ancestor did. If you want to go back to the four and five generations and cite that scripture, you know, you're never going to unpack literally everything and everybody did four to five generations back. That's not going to be possible. And so it becomes this kind of like fear spiral where it's like, oh, well, now maybe it was, you know, my aunt Matilda also did something or, you know, it becomes this endless thing. And so don't worry about that. God knows what has happened and what hasn't. And you just need to state uh, with your authority over yourself and your own children, if they're not of the age of reason, which is seven, that you don't want any part of that. And any of those deals don't apply to you. You want to break them. And, and that's it. And just move on and let it go. Uh, you 
have you been getting out and speaking again? I mean, I know the pandemic probably put a pause on all of that, but how is your speaking tour going these days? Um, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to, you know, I do Catholic conferences. My main thing when it comes to speaking is training priests. Um, that's what I, I, of course, is my first priority. So convocations, clergy days, things like that. But yes, there's a little bit of Catholic speaking coming back. But of course, I work full time for my bishop. I'm in canon law school. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not a full time author and speaker by any stretch of the imagination. If someone wanted to book you, how could they do that? Um, so Nick is still my speaking agent. He's uh, at Nick at, uh, I think it's yourcatholicmedia.com. Um, N-I-C, right? Yes, N-I-C. Yeah. N-I-C at yourcatholicmedia.com, because uh, I yeah. think it's important. I, when I've had the opportunity, the blessing to sit and listen to you give talks on either demonologist or whatever, I'm just blown away by it. I find it utterly fascinating and informative and freeing. I remember like uh, feeling more fear and anxiety when it came to the occult and the, uh, and the supernatural, and then you helped to clarify so much of that, and I felt empowered and educated more afterwards. So I highly encourage everyone, if you're at all able, bring, Nick, uh, bring uh, Adam Bly through Nick to your parish or your next event. Go, uh, you can email Nick, Nick, N-I-C, at yourcatholicmedia.com. God bless you, Adam Bly. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Oh, God bless you and your listeners. All right. Check out his book over at the uh, Sophia Institute Press, The Catholic Guide to Miracles, sophiainstitute.com. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time today. Thank you all for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you. If you're at all able to join us tomorrow, we would love to have you on the team. We're going to talk about the, uh, I think it's going to get someone from Breitbart on tomorrow to talk about the latest in news to include the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, boy, that and more coming up tomorrow. But in the next hour, it's all fun and games to include Catholic trivia. Join us. We'd love to have you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights we care for the environment we embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world our passion comes from God who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories if you sometimes wonder is there something more then come and see at catholicscomehome.com Eve Gambo is a real Guadalupe radio listener. To help her explain the impact that Catholic radio has had on her life, we had Rocky come in and help her tell her story. Before I was able to listen to Catholic radio, I would listen to other Christian radio stations just because there was no Catholic radio. Hey, you know, Mickey always tells me, you know, Catholic radio, you know, is kind of like having an angel on your shoulder. Those other stations were okay, 
but I always felt like something was missing. Catholic Radio is a huge blessing because it shares the full truth. Well, it was like a wake-up call. Kind of like getting punched with an uppercut. Only with the truth. Please, if you have not made a pledge of support to keep Guadalupe Radio on the air, do it now. And if you have made a pledge, please fulfill that pledge. I want to make sure that I always have my Catholic radio station. Yeah, make sure you send in your pledge. You know, you can do so by going to grnonline.com or 888-784-3476. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Monday, April the 4th. 2022. And uh, we just wrapped up a great hour. Adam Bly was our guest. I have not talked to Adam in so long. It was good to talk to him again. And the beard looks just fantastic on him. Uh, Praise be to God. A world-renowned expert in demonology, but he's got that book out on Catholic miracles, on miracles, like, you know, the Catholic Guide to Miracles. It was a wonderful conversation. You can always find the podcast of our show on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can also pick up the podcast on our mobile app. Just search for the Guadalupe Radio Network on your iOS or Android store. And uh, again, download it. You can get the app there. You can listen to your local Catholic GRN station. You can get the podcast of our show uh, in programming, contact. I mean, just everything is there. Just search for the Guadalupe Radio Network in your app store. And uh, download that today. But good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Hey, good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Doesn't it make you just want to have a bigger beard? You see I'm beautiful, pretty sure awesome having beard envy is a sin. Is it? Yeah. I, we should get Adam back on to clarify. <laughs> is in fact, has, has beard envy led to any exorcism? I'm just now very curious. Guaranteed very exorcism curious. right there. Guaranteed, you mm-hmm. say? Yep. Yikes. You know what is guaranteed? Today, we are going to have a full after show. That is true. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Monday, full Full half hour, not yeah. 15 minutes. Yes. Speaking Monty. of the full Monty, Adrian Fonseca's here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Full Monty? You don't yes. want to know. Don't what ask. That? Don't ask. Don't okay. Ask. I'm you not don't want to know. I'm not going to. You don't want to know. know. <laughs> You're right. I don't want to know. I'm gonna, I'm but, gonna uh, you know, know what it is. I was thinking beers, and I was thinking Bug Hall. We should get Bug Hall back on. Does he still have he the has, full? Pfft, oh, yeah. Bug Hall's man Best huge. beard I've ever seen. Does his easily. wife, does, I wonder if it's, we should get his wife on. And let's get ask the wife, wife about the opinion of the beard. <laughs> My wife's already like, we got to trim it. We got to cut it. His beard, it. like, touches the floor. Okay, slight yeah. exaggeration. But 
It's a pretty epic beard, I must say. He's a, he's capable of growing it quickly. Then. And meanwhile, I'm going to go shave. <laughs> yes. Oh, yikes. Full Monty is no horrible. No beard envy for you, I guess. Well, praise be to God. We are going to have a good time this hour. We do have good news for you coming up here in just a moment. Praise be to Jesus. Then we have Saint of the Day. We have our Gospel of the Day. And then a brand new lineup of Fear and Trembling this week with a brand new sponsor. Any any hints there for the sponsor? Yeah, you're going to be praying this every single day. You have to do it every single day if you win. And if you, win, if you don't win, it comes with you're still to-dos. supposed to do it because oh, got me. I've, a very I'm special lost. person asked us to. I'm, so uh, I'm lo- I'm that's lost. your hint right there. That's, that's a hint? Oh, Does, by the way, yeah. the story that I'm going to do for the good news story mm-hmm. is it's an it's an answer to one of the trivia questions today. Really? It's a type of da-da-da blank work of mercy. So so you're giving hints to the game right show, there, too. Right there. So all wow. you got to do is Cheater. be the first caller at 15 past the hour. And, uh, of course, the phone number is on our website, so you could call in early. That's your choice, your prerogative. But when we give out the phone number, first caller gets to be the contestant. It could be you. Can I thank Diane and Eileen today, Diane Weinmere and Eileen Flores, for taking today in the Lenten calendar for prayer, fasting, and penance for our intentions. So grateful to both of you. for do- Diane took yesterday. Eileen's taken today. So God love you both. Thank you for that. And I do want to ask for a special prayer intention, dear listener, for, for Jane and Kenny, one of our CDT listeners and they are just going through a really rough time in life right now. And we would be grateful if you would keep them, lift them up in prayer, and ask the Lord to provide for their needs right now. It would be a wonderful thing to do. All right, we're going to jump in. We're going to say the Golden Arrow Prayer as a part of our Lenten campaign and get started with uh, all that we're going to cover. Be sure to join us in the after show as well at uh, the second half of this hour on one of our live video feeds, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And I'll, in the after show, I'll explain why we're doing a full after show. I'll tell you all about that there. But let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar, amen. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a good story just for kicks. Epic Times reports policemen see homeless man with no shoes on on cold night and buy him an $80 pair with their own money. It was a cold night in Phoenix when two local police officers checked in on a homeless man sitting outside of a bank building. Officers Benjamin Caro and Michael Hubbs noticed that the man had neither shoes nor socks on He did not hesitate to tell them how miserably cold the night was without shoes to keep his feet warm. Their response was one he did not expect, however. The interaction between the trio in January was captured on one of the officer's body cams and later posted on the Phoenix Police Department's Facebook page. The man is heard saying, are you taking me to jail? One officer responds, no, I'm going to take you to Ross and buy you some shoes. They were heard asking the barefooted man his shoe size, an 18, he replied. After making a call to a nearby clothing store, they learned that the only size available was either 17 or 19. Within 20 minutes, after spending $80 of their own money, they delivered a new pair of size 19 shoes to the man, along with new socks, pants, and a shirt. He was still getting uh, sitting on the sidewalk when they returned to 
to him with his new clothes, which he generously accepted from the officers. He is heard thanking them at the end of the video. The officers said they were, they were able to relate to the man's misfortune, as they too had once experienced tough times. We both come from rough backgrounds. We weren't the most fortunate people in life, explained Caro. We chose a career that brings us to the depths of people's lives, and sometimes we come across people like this and, and in this circumstance. This, was, this just wasn't a circumstance you could ignore. It was a really cold night. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Isidore of Seville. He was born around 560. The 76-year-old Isidore's life were a time of conflict and growth from the church in Spain. The Visigoths had invaded the land in a century and a half earlier, and shortly before Isidore's birth, they set up their own cathedral. They were Arians, Christians who said Christ was not God. I guess, can you really call them Christians then? Thus, Spain was split in two. One people, the Roman Catholics, and the others, the Arian Goths. Isidore reunited Spain, making it a center of culture and learning. The country served as a teacher and guide for other European countries whose culture were also threatened by barbarian invaders. Born in Cartagena of a family that included three other siblings, all saints. Imagine, their names Lander, Flugentius, and Florentina. He was educated by his elder brother, whom he succeeded as Bishop of Seville. Let's pray that we all have all our siblings become saints. An amazing learned man, he was sometimes called the schoolmaster of the Middle Ages because the encyclopedia he wrote was used as a textbook for nine centuries. He required seminaries to be built in every diocese, and he wrote a rule for religious orders. He founded schools that taught every branch of learning. Isidore wrote numerous books, including a dictionary, an encyclopedia, a history of Goths, and a history of the world, beginning with, uh, with creation. He completed the Mozarabic liturgy, which is still used in Toledo, Spain today. For all these reasons, Isidore has been suggested as patron of the internet. They've also suggested Anthony of Padua, so there you go. He continued his austerities even as he approached the age of 80. During the last six months of his life, he increased his charities so much that his house was crowded from morning until night with the poor of the countryside. He died around 636. Saint Isidore of Seville, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You testify on your own behalf, so your testimony cannot be verified. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony can be verified, because I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by appearances, but I, but I do not judge anyone. And even if I should judge, my judgment is valid, because I am not alone. But it is I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it is written that the testimony of two men can be verified. 
I testify on my behalf, and so does the Father who sent me. So they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the treasury in the temple area, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede points out, Christ speaks in the treasury. For example, he had spoken in parables to the Jews, but now that he unfolded heavenly things to his disciples, his treasury began to be opened, which was the meaning of the treasury being joined to the temple. All that the law and the prophets had foretold in figure appertained to our Lord. Praise be to God, close quote, Venerable Bede. I also like how Theophilicate pointed out this tempting of the Lord, this little chide, this little dig on our Lord about his father. Theophilicate says, quote, some remark that this is said in, uh, in contempt to insinuate either that he is born of fornication and knows not who his father is, or a slur on the low situation of his father, i.e. Joseph, as if to say, thy father is an obscure, ignoble person, why dost thou so often mention him? So because they, they asked the question to tempt him not to get to the truth, Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father, close quote, Theophilicate. Could you imagine Could you imagine trying to insult Jesus, going to your judgment, because the judgment is coming? Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a number of things from Cornelius Alapide. He has like eight paragraphs just on verse 12 alone, so it's a lot, but I highly recommend checking out Cornelius Alapide's commentary on today's gospel. One thing that I thought was kind of funny and very telling is that here, when uh, Cornelius Alapide is talking about whenever our Lord says, I am the light of the world— the, he says that the Manichaeans were very confused by this. When the Manichaeans heard this, they thought that he was the son, S-U-N. And St. Augustine, being a Platonist at one time, had his doubts about it. His commentating on the passage he mentions and confutes their folly, he says, Christ the Lord was not the son, S-U-N, which was made, but was its maker, for all things were made by him. He, therefore, is the light, capital L, which made this light, lowercase l, of ours. Let us love it. Let us long to understand it. Let us thirst for it. That's that so at length we may attain to the capital L light itself. And so live therein that we may never die. He goes on, Cornus Lapide, later on in this passage, he says, Hence learn that the doctrine and the life of Christ must be imitated by every man who wishes to be truly enlightened and to be purged from all blindness of mind. St. Thomas Akempis lays this down with an axiom in his golden book, The Imitation of Christ, which contains as many axioms as sentences, which I study daily with much delight and profit. That makes me want to pick up Thomas Akempis's Imitation of Christ. I haven't read it in full. I know many who are striving after perfection, who strive to conform their several actions to some one action, doctrine, or saying of Christ ever looking at it as their ideal and endeavoring to set it forth in all their actions. This is a pious and profitable means of attaining perfect holiness. For Christ was specially given as a mirror of sanctity. For what is more holy than the saint of saints? What brighter than the sun and light itself? And what wiser than wisdom itself? 
So here's the action item for today. Pick up the imitation of Christ and take a couple reads of it and think about the fact that if Christ is a light and we have so much darkness within us, then how can we better be able to see? Well, the answer is come closer to Christ and the, the darkness of our hearts will be washed away just as whenever the sun comes up, the shadows are scattered. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Cornelius Alapade. Thank you to verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to dive deep into the gospel and, the, and uh, bring it to you. Praise be to God. That's Verboom with the V, B-E-R-B-U-M, verboom.com forward slash G-R-N. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to play the game. Fear and Trembling, it's up next. And new prizes are at stake, and it's going to be a very cool prize this week. Very cool prize. You're going to enjoy it. It's coming up next. If you want to be that uh, contestant, you got to pick up a phone and you got to dial 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. It's coming up next, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Join us. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please... Please do me a favor and tell no one 
of my secrets or my agendas. If you'll do that, then we can have a game, and it'll be a lot of fun. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And number two, we like to have a good time. We like to laugh, and our callers are utterly amazing. They laugh with us. They're good sports. We enjoy that, I think, the most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, and that makes this a winner for everyone, right? I mean, like, whew, praise be to God. Giving out stuff, and you enjoy it. We enjoy it. But here's the kicker. I do have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I will not ask the caller the questions. In fact, they don't even need to know a single correct answer and could still win our game because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence. And we got a special prize this week. We do. Praise be to God. We have a return sponsor this week, Rugged Rosaries. Rugged Rosaries provides the spiritual strength of a traditional rosary with the proven strength of paracord. Their experienced artisans prayerfully and thoughtfully create your new rosary right in their own Texas studio. These strong and unbreakable rosaries are handmade using only the finest materials, unlike many copycat brands now on the market. They are generously (laughs) sponsoring our game show with a rosary. So if you win it, you better be praying this every single day, just like Our Lady asks. The power of the paracord. You know they're actually in Houston, right? Are yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. They moved God. from California to Houston. Yes. Hey. I like that. In their, from uh, Burbank? In their studio in the People's Republic of Texas. The People's Republic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Praise be to God. The rugged rosary. is nothing like a good rugged rosary, especially for a guy, because yeah. most rosaries cannot withstand a man's pocket for whatever reason. They just break up, and it's just—it's nothing more annoying than having a a rosary break on you. Yeah, it's got to be rugged. It's got to be. Got where I'm going with that. (laughs) All right, praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Thank you for everyone who did try to call. If you don't make it on today, call back tomorrow. Uh, But Jeff and Anna Grace, good morning to you. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Where are you calling from? Dallas. Dallas, Texas, the great metropolis of the north. How is uh, how is the weather up there? It's a beautiful day today. Is it? Well, that's good. Praise Bet God. Bet it's cooler than here. It seems it's a beautiful like, day in the neighborhood. <laughs> it seems like the weather changes so frequently up there. It's hard to know. Like, uh, you know, are you having ice? Are you having weather? Is it tornadoes? Is it just beautiful? But you're saying today is a nice day. That's good. Anna well, Grace? Yeah. Yeah, at least for the next five minutes. At least for the next five minutes. <laughs> Anna Grace, how are you? Uh, you Are you on your way to school today? Yes, I am. And what grade are you in? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Praise be to God. Favorite subject? Um, Science. Science. Nice. Wow. I do not share your belief there, Anna Grace. That was my <laughs> worst subject in school was science. I loathed that class. So you're obviously a very smart person, Anna Grace, yeah, to, uh, to love science. Do you know how the game is played? Are you ready to play? Yes. Praise be to God. We will do this. Now, just so you know, I am on your side. It's mm-hmm. you and I together against mm-hmm. the other two. <laughs> Let's do this. We will start with Rudy first, as is our, our tradition, our patrimony, our custom. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Good morning. Are you ready? I'm so ready. 
Are you sure? Yeah. Are you are you sure are you sure? I had to drink extra coffee this morning. Whoa. I couldn't sleep last night. I was so excited for the game show. I'm jealous. So jealous. <laughs> what does the coffee smell like? Can you describe that to me? It uh smells of a faint bean water. That <laughs> <Ew. laughs> was not enticing at all. Good. <laughs> Good. Okay. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me what are the primary sources of information on the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Huh, the primary sources. Okay, so uh, we're not talking about online sources. We're talking about the Gospels. Are we? Gospels specifically of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I see. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go with the Gospels. This was before Google. Very on the nose. Yeah. Okay. The Gospels. Let's see what uh, Adrian has to say. Hey, Adrian, can you hey, tell Joe, me? Hey, Joe, yeah? <laughs> That's fast. <laughs> what are the primary sources of information on the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Oh, yes, yes. That would be primarily, there's mm-hmm. uh, many sources during that time period, but the primary source uh-huh. was Josephus. Josephus. Mm-hmm. I've read some Josephus. Mm. Great source. Very good source. Yeah. The best. In fact, the only real source. I mean, the Gospels, they were probably written like a couple hundred years later. So. You think so? <laughs> Can't trust those. What? <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Uh, Jeff and Anna Grace. All right. Here's the question. Which are the primary sources that we go to to learn about the life of our Lord? Is it as Brother Adrian seems to think? Josephus? Or was it, as Rudy says, the Gospels themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Jeff and Anna Grace, what say you? Rudy. You say that with great confidence, Anna. So wise. Excellent. Anna Grace, you did brilliant. brilliant. You were not thrown at all, even though Josephus is a first century historian and, mm-hmm. in fact, does mention our Lord in his Jewish wars. So... There was that. But you didn't fall for it. You are correct. You're in the cup. How do you feel? Good. There you yeah, go. Excellent. Profound. <laughs> that's all that's required. Praise <laughs> be to God. Let's go to the second question. We're going to go to Adrian this time. That's Super wise. easy question. I mean, like. Super easy? I think it's the easiest. Like the easiest of the easiest? Of today. Okay. Uh, to feed the hungry. Mm, I'm hungry. Is my. <laughs> <laughs> To feed the hungry is one of which kind of works of mercy? Huh. Yeah, that would be the corporal works of mercy. Corporal, corporal meaning the body. Corporal. Got mm. it. Okay, corporal. Not like Sounds it's in, made up. Not as in like, like corporal I'm gonna, in like, the Marine Corps. Or corporal punishment where you're beating someone. <laughs> is that how that works? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like counseling is needed. Okay, corporal works of mercy was your answer. Let's see what Rudy says. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me to feed the hungry... Is one of which kind of works of mercy? Yes, my wife participates in this kind of mercy every single day. It's really? known as a gastrointestinal work of mercy. <laughs> that's a that's a mouthful, just like yeah. you know the food. Yeah, gastrointestinal. I see where you're going. With that pun intended, huh? Yep. It's the gastrointestinal work of mercy. That's yep. your answer. That's correct. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right, uh, Jeff and Anna Grace, is it gastrointestinal works of mercy, as Rudy seems to think, or is it a corporal work of mercy, as Adrian seems to think? 15 seconds. What say you? Adrian. Very confident there. Very, very. <laughs> you're not fooled at all. That's uh, because you like science, and you're smart. You're sharp as a tack, Anna Grace. Congratulations. You're in the cup for two. It could be God's holy will that you're going to win, but... 
I'm gonna say. What is what? Where are we getting that? Like that was random and arbitrary. The, the random, you know, Rocky reference, I suppose. All right, here we go. Third question. We're gonna go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me what do we mean when we say God is eternal? Hmm. What do we mean? God is eternal. Well, it means that He always was, and He always will be, and He always remains the same. Okay. The the characteristics of God. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see here, Adrian. Yes. If you're not, uh, you know, too busy playing Rocky references during the game show, <laughs> could you tell me what do we mean when we say God is eternal? Mm, God is eternal. Well, I mean, according to Marvel, the Eternals, they were created, Yikes. and then they live until they're murdered. And so that would mean that they are, they have a life that lasts until they die. That's, yeah. That's, that's the definition of eternal? Eternal, yeah. It just means they live a very long time. But their life is finite. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, Jeff and Anna Grace, I'm going to say this could be somewhat tricky, but I don't think so. Uh, uh, the question is, what do we mean when we say God is eternal? Is it as Rudy or Adrian seems to think, and like the uh, Marvel film, they, they live for a while, then they die? Uh, or is it as Rudy seems to think, we mean that he always was, always will be, and always remains the same? 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy or Adrian? What say you, Jeff and Anna Grace? Rudy. Rudy. Praise be God. Rudy. Got you in for three. Rudy, congratulations. Perfect score today. You did fantastic. It may be God's holy will that you should win. You'll have to tune in Friday, but... Bragging rights. Thank you, Jeff and Anna Grace, for playing our game today. You guys were a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all. God love you guys. Enjoy your day at school, Anna Grace. We'll be praying for you. And uh, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Praise be to God. And uh, if you didn't get the chance, I'm going to put Jeff and Anna Grace on hold. We'll get their phone number, make sure we got their contact. But if you you didn't get the chance to hear, we're going to have a full after show today. I'll tell you all about it in the after show when you go to our live video stream, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate um, the commemoration of St. Isidore of Seville. 
The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Attende Domine, et miserere, quia peccavimus tibi, a te rexume, omnium redemptor, oculos nostros, sublevamus flentes. Exaudi Christe, supplicantum preces. Attende Domine, et miserere, quia peccavimus tibi. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Graciously hear the prayers, O Lord, which we make in commemoration of St. Isidore, that your church may be aided by his intercession, just as she has been instructed by his heavenly teaching. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. In Babylon, there lived a man named Joachim, who married a very beautiful and God-fearing woman, Susanna, the daughter of Hilkiah. Her pious parents had trained their daughter according to the law of Moses. Joachim was very rich. He had a garden near his house, and the Jews had recourse to him often because he was the most respected of them all. That year, two elders of the people were appointed judges, of whom the Lord said, Wickedness has come out of Babylon from the elders who were to govern the people as judges. These men, to whom all brought their cases, frequented the house of Joachim. When the people left at noon, Susanna used to enter her husband's garden for a walk. When the old men saw her enter every day for her walk, they began to lust for her. They suppressed their consciences. They would not allow their eyes to look to heaven and did not keep in mind just judgments. 
One day, while they were waiting for the right moment, she entered the garden as usual with two maids only. She decided to bathe for the weather was warm. Nobody else was there except the two elders who had hidden themselves and were watching her. Bring me oil and soap, she said to the maids, and shut the garden doors while I bathe. As soon as the maids had left, the two old men got up and hurried to her. Look, they said, the garden doors are shut and no one can see us. Give in to our desire and lie with us. If you refuse, we will testify against you, that you dismissed your maids because a young man was here with you. I am completely trapped, Susanna groaned. If I yield, it will be my death. If I refuse, I cannot escape your power. Yet it is better for me to fall into your power without guilt than to sin before the Lord. Then Susanna shrieked, and the old men also shouted at her, as one of them ran to open the garden doors. When the people in the house heard the cries from the garden, they rushed in by the side gate to see what had happened to her. At the accusations by the old men, the servants felt very much ashamed, for never had any such thing been said about Susanna. When the people came to her husband Joachim the next day, the two wicked elders also came, fully determined to put Susanna to death. Before all the people they ordered, send for Susanna, the daughter of Hilkiah, the wife of Joachim. When she was sent for, she came with her parents, children, and all her relatives. All her relatives and the onlookers were weeping. In the midst of the people, the two elders rose up and laid their hands on her head. Through tears, she looked up to heaven, for she trusted in the Lord wholeheartedly. The elders made this accusation. As we were walking in the garden alone, this woman entered with two girls and shut the doors of the garden, dismissing the girls. A young man who was hidden there came and lay with her. When we, in a corner of the garden, saw this crime, we ran toward them. We saw them lying together, but the man we could not hold because he was stronger than we. He opened the doors and ran off. Then we seized her and asked who the young man was, but she refused to tell us. We testify to this. The assembly believed them, since they were elders and judges of the people, and they condemned her to death. But Susanna cried aloud, O eternal God, you know what is hidden, and are aware of all things before they come to be. You know that they have testified falsely against me. Here I am about to die, though I have done none of the things with which these wicked men have charged me. The Lord heard her prayer. As she was being led to execution, God stirred up the Holy Spirit of a young boy named Daniel, and he cried aloud, I will have no part in the death of this woman. All the people turned and asked him, What is this you are saying? He stood in their midst and continued, Are you such fools, O children of Israel, to condemn a woman of Israel without examination and without clear evidence? Return to court, for they have testified falsely against her. Then all the people returned in haste. To Daniel the elders said, Come, sit with us and inform us. 
since God has given you the prestige of old age. But he replied, Separate these two far from each other, that I may examine them. After they were separated, one from the other, he called one of them and said, How you have grown evil with age! Now have your past sins come to term, passing unjust sentences, condemning the innocent, and freeing the guilty. Although the Lord says, The innocent and the just you shall not put to death. Now then, if you were a witness, tell me under what tree you saw them together. Under a mastic tree, he answered. Daniel replied, Your fine lie has cost you your head, for the angel of God shall receive the sentence from him and split you in two. Putting him to one side, he ordered the other one to be brought. Daniel said to him, Offspring of Canaan, not of Judah, beauty has seduced you, lust has subverted your conscience. This is how you acted with the daughters of Israel, and in their fear they yielded to you. But a daughter of Judah did not tolerate your wickedness. Now then, tell me under what tree you surprised them together. Under an oak, he said. Daniel replied, Your fine lie has cost you also your head, for the angel of God waits with the sword to cut you in two, so as to make an end of you both. The whole assembly cried aloud, blessing God who saves those who hope in him. They rose up against the two elders, for by their own words Daniel had convicted them of perjury. According to the law of Moses, they inflicted on them the penalty they had plotted to impose on their neighbor. They put them to death. Thus was innocent blood spared that day. The word of the Lord. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me, he refreshes my soul. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. For you are at my side. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side, with your rod and your staff that give me courage. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked man, says the Lord, but rather in his conversion that he may live. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write in the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground, and in response they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin any more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's first reading, we have the story of Susanna and the two elders. And it really, for us, describes the progression of, of sin in a person's life and really the engendering of sin within the human heart. Just a couple of uh, very important points to note from the reading. The first one is at the very beginning with the two elders of how it begins with them noting the beauty of Susanna, which in and of itself is, is no sin, and there's nothing wrong with noting the beauty of God's creation, including the beauty of other human beings. However, from noting the beauty, that moves over into becoming a temptation toward lust. And now they have a decision to make. They either stop themselves in their tracks and say, this is a temptation I need to move away from, or they can allow the temptation to take root such that it would become willfully lustful thoughts. And this is precisely the direction in which they go into. So they move from noting the beauty to a temptation to all of a sudden willfully engaging in lustful thoughts about Susanna. From there, the next step they take is equally going down the road of treachery, and that is they begin to communicate their sinful thoughts to one another. In doing so, they are seeking an accomplice for their wicked thoughts, and it's also a sign that they're beginning to deaden their conscience. They're not noting that what they're doing is wrong, and not only in their thoughts, but now they're actually verbalizing and plotting out what they're going to do. Once they vocalize to each other that they're sharing in the same lustful thoughts, now they begin to plot and scheme. From plotting and scheming, they move to the sinful act or the attempt at engaging in the sinful act. And then, of course, we see how they engage in the cover-up, which really is for us a important lesson to take that sin tends to beget more sin. Once you go down the road of doing something wrong, 
well then you have to start to cover your tracks and not admit to what you did which inevitably leads to lying and in the case of these two elders they were even willing to engage in murder in order to cover up their own sin and their own shame it's interesting to note though it, it all began with a temptation which led to willful thoughts and from there it very quickly spiraled out of control to the point where they were willing to commit murder to cover up their sinful thoughts the whole point at the end of the reading in terms of Daniel's uh, judgment and wisdom that comes to uncover the wickedness of the men and them being sentenced to death really is for us a spiritual lesson to say sin is always a dead-end road that leads to perdition there's nothing good that comes from sin directly and that then for us is a very important lesson that even when faced with temptation we're called to bring to mind that the end result from sin is always separation from God it's always division and it's always a step moving toward the path toward perdition toward death and this of course is never to be desired and so my brothers and sisters as we go forward today let us ask God for the grace that in our own conscience in our own mind that when we are faced with temptation that we would be willing to move away from temptation as opposed to stepping in the other direction of willful thoughts which are wrong and that we would always turn to God in our need for his grace and for his strength in times of temptation and let us ask always that we would remember that the end result of sin is always separation and death and never anything good. Amen. Come Holy Ghost, Creator bless and in our hearts take up thy rest. Come with thy grace and heavenly aid to fill the hearts which thou hast made, to fill the hearts which thou hast made. O Comforter, to thee we cry, thou heavenly gift of God most high, thou font of life and fire of love and sweet anointing from above and sweet anointing from above. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that preparing to celebrate the holy mysteries, we may bring before you as the fruit of bodily penance a joyful purity of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for through the saving passion of your Son, the whole world has received a heart to confess the infinite power of your majesty. Since by the wondrous power of the cross your judgment on the world is now revealed and the authority of Christ crucified. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as in exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisum Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. The Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. spiritual communion. I, Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Jesus, we adore Thee, who in Thy love divine concealed Thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Strengthened by the blessing of your sacraments, we pray, O Lord, that through them we may constantly be cleansed of our faults, and by following Christ, hasten our steps toward you, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dolce
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a co 